This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have Tamar Hermes on, and she's going to tell us all about real estate investing and what she's up to here right now. Hey, Tamar, how are you? Hi, great to see you and uh, beyond to share with everyone about the great city of Austin. Absolutely. And real estate here. Yeah, Austin and real estate are both things that I love. And really quick for our audience, I know we know each other. And you're pretty well known, but can you tell everybody who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I uh, have been investing for uh, over 25 years now, and I am both an active and a passive investor, which means that I manage certain investments. And then I also have teams and partners in place where they will manage the property and I still get returns, which is really kind of cool. And, um, I also run a high-level women mastermind uh, where uh, we're leveling up at the multi-million-dollar level, and also teach women real estate investing. Um, huge advocate that every person, especially women, should be buying real estate in any market. So, I mean, that's not to say any deal, but it's to say that in any market, it's always the right time to build your asset column. Mm-hmm. Love that. And I like how you, you're doing both. You're active and passive. So a lot of people think, oh, I have to be the landlord that does everything. And there's some people that say, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm just going to give my money to somebody else. So why do you do both? Well, I do both because for a couple of reasons. One is that at a certain point, your portfolio gets large. And in order for you to be active in everything, you have to be finding a lot of opportunities all the time. And what you're doing when you're passive is you're sourcing a lot of experts that might know, like, I may know how to run an Airbnb, but I may not know how to do a storage unit. Whereas like my friend Joe may be an expert with storage. So if I give him my money, I have a really good chance of getting a pretty good return on that. So it's just, um, it's just, a, um, it's another way of leveraging. And I think that it depends on where, where you're at in your, um, it, you know, with your time, it's also, th- that's a big factor because it takes more time to be active than it does passive. And, uh, and it also depends on what you enjoy. So at a certain point, some people just really want the returns in real estate, but they don't necessarily like dealing with the people or the, um, contractors or things that go wrong. I actually love all that. I'm kind of crazy like that. I like people. So to me, yeah. it's just all like fun. And, um, and so that's why I just ended up doing both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you talked about some different asset classes there too. So you talked about just specifically in your statement there, you talked about, uh, Airbnb and self-storage. So I imagine that having passive investments and active investments allows you to explore different asset classes. Is that something you do? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just another way to diversify. So mm-hmm. let's say if you, if you're building up your portfolio and you have 20 single family homes, well, we don't know, maybe something, maybe something will happen in the single family homes and, um, and where the market dips or they're not as easy to sell or they're not renting in a certain area. And so if you diversify and you have things in industrial, which is really popular these days with Amazon and all the stuff that's going in house, I love industrial investments. So you can give some money to an industry, to someone that does industrial, and then you can make money on that. And so it diversifies and um, and gives you more exposure to um, to a lot of uh, different asset classes that will probably uh, perform really well in the coming times. That's awesome, and it also allows you to be an expert in certain areas. And let you talked about finding the experts, about having experts in other areas that are really good at that. So I might really like self storage. And let's say I'm great at putting together self-storage investments, but that doesn't translate over to industrial necessarily. Mm-hmm. So that I might go find somebody that's great with industrial investing and invest with them, like you said, to diversify. So could yeah, you I give mean, us go ahead? I was just gonna say, like with different asset classes. There will be some overlap, obviously, like the way you're sourcing the properties and, you know, the way you negotiate. But at a certain point in terms of in terms of how to manage and get the best ROI on your return, that's something where you do either want to dive in and know all the variables or maybe give it to someone who's done it a lot. Because like with storage, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, that's pretty easy. I mean, it's just store units. You know, how hard can it be? Just automate it. I know people that have literally been, had run for the hills on storage units because it was just a pain for them. And then there's other people that just know how to automate it and and do it and make it work and scale it and exit it. So, you know, it's just something you don't need to be an expert at everything. You just need to know the people that are. And the other thing I will say about passive is that it does help if you have um, some money. So if you're at a point in your uh, real estate uh, journey where you really don't have that much resource, then you probably do need to go into maybe something like a house hack where you share a unit with a lot of people or something that's in not as um, as sexy of an area as Austin, but, you know, we'll still um, get you some returns. Awesome. So you kind of lead me into my next question there. What are you doing right now in Austin and what do you, you see that's working for you? right now in Austin. Yeah. So, um, in Austin, so I do, um, I have investments in Austin and San Antonio and I moved from California a couple of years ago, sold, um, uh, most of the portfolio there just for obvious reasons, because it was getting harder and harder to manage California with the, um, with the restrictions for landlords Mm -hmm. and, um, and then started buying here. And what I'm doing is, um, single family homes and Airbnbs. And as you know, I'm involved in, um, prefab projects Mm -hmm. uh, with a partner. And, um, and so we're buying, um, up several, uh, places in East Austin, tearing them down and then putting up, um, prefabricated, 
Um, they're like modular for people that don't know um, what they are. Um, they they basically look like that. But they look like a house that was built from the ground up, except they mm-hmm. do it in a manufacturing company, which is really phenomenal. Uh, and it generally will save a lot of time and money. The hardest part about prefabs is getting the partnerships because everybody wants to do prefabs. So mm-hmm. it's hard to get the deals where, um, where you can start, um, where you can start doing that kind of work. Yeah. So you, know, you talk about prefab and modular, and I think people hear these terms and they think, Oh, you mentioned it. They think, Oh, it must look like something else, but I've seen one of the projects that Tamar's working on the one on in East Austin and I said that that looks no different than the house down the street they just built from the ground up. And yeah, it's pretty amazing. You really can't tell. Yeah, and y'all put it up in a, a, a fraction of the time. Not even it, half the time is way too generous with the time period there. It was like a, a month or two compared to eighteen months. Exactly. So a, a lot of and there's a lot of advantages to the prefabs, but again, like. If you decide, oh my gosh, this sounds great. Like tomorrow saying it's fast and low permits and less money. But like I said, it, it, there are a lot of moving parts to it. Yeah. And um, and to get into it is actually pretty challenging. So uh, my partner is pretty, um, is is just um, a workhorse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he just always gets his hands and everything and like just makes it happen. So a, a lot of that has to do with, um, with, you know, the ability to find partners that can do that. And that's not to say you can't do it. You can do everything. It's just that maybe if you decide, okay, I really want to learn about prefabs, maybe don't also do a million other things. Like don't try to master storage units while Mm -hmm. you're trying to master that. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. You get really good at the one thing before you go out and try 10 different things. And I think that would be something I talk to a lot of people that are interested in doing you know, prefab or modular housing, they're always also interested in 10 different things. So, you know, get really good, connect with people that are doing it, figure out how they're doing it, learn that in depth, and then go go do prefab or modular housing. So, yeah. Tamar, how did you get into real estate investing in the first place? You talked about you sold a portfolio in California when you moved to Texas. You've been investing over 25 years. What kicked it off? So I was um, working in entertainment. I had a really pretty good job when I was um, when I was twenty eight, and um, and I was making good money. And uh, but I realized that I kind of had these golden handcuffs that a lot of us realize we have once we get into. I mean, I got a job in entertainment. It was pretty fun. Um, you know, you know, no, it wasn't like, um, no one was, you know, really stressing me out, um, other than like the deadlines and long hours sometimes. But the truth is it was pretty fun. It's just that I knew that in order to get the income, I had to show up for work every day. I had to do the job every day. And I didn't like that. I'm just, I've always been, um, since I was young and I grew up without a lot and I felt like I didn't have a lot of choices when I was growing up. I am, I really value more than anything, 
just freedom of choice. Like I'm huge on freedom of choice. And also my father was a Holocaust survivor. I mean, I'm like embedded, like my whole life is about like, how do you have freedom? Like, I feel like I'm meant to have, I feel like we're all meant to have freedom. But for me, especially, it was like, I don't care that I work all the time because I decided what kind of work I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. If I don't want to work, I don't have to work. Those are all choices that I think we, we should all have. So, um, so anyway, what happened was when I realized that I started looking at my bottom line and I realized that rent was really expensive. And so I, I took at that time, $40,000 and bought, bought, um, a duplex in LA. Yeah. In LA. I mean, it's worth, it's worth a lot. I actually kept, it's kind of a sentimental, like I know sometimes like people keep their childhood home and I didn't really have a childhood home. And so this is kind of like my, like home that I kind of created as my, as my kind of, you know, home that I had, uh, from early on. So I, I keep that one and it's, it, I bought it for three ninety seven, and now it's worth probably one five, even in this market, I probably could sell it for like one, four, one, five. That's awesome. Yeah. And we had a guest on the show, Mark Kenteman, who's also he's my a, friend. Yeah. He's an awesome yeah. guy. He's, he's in LA. His first property was a duplex in LA that he house hacked. I think there's a theme there. A lot of people get started by house hacking. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing with Mark and Mark's story that's that's interesting, and this is this is interesting for people listening, like choices that you make. So Mark and I got started like around the same time. We both bought duplexes, both in good areas in LA. And the difference was that Mark was more was less attached to the property and more attached to making the money. I was kind of like taught in, Oh my gosh, I have a property. Like, uh, uh, wow. Like it was just so exciting to me. It meant so much to me, but the truth is, is that like, and Mark probably like, I haven't looked at Mark's numbers, but my guess is that because, um, and just, you know, I probably know, cause I know Mark, um, that because he leveraged a lot, like he would, you know, once it went up in a certain amount of value, he sold it, he bought bigger, he bought more, he kept doing that. If you do that, that is the way to grow wealth quickly. That's a much, much better way to do it than the way I did it. But I still have, I still didn't, you know, it's still not the worst day in the world, right? Like when you have a property that's worth 1.5 and there's not really any risk there and, you know, you don't have high payments or anything. So the truth is, is that both work Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you just need to decide what your risk tolerance is and like, don't, you know, don't worry. Like I can make more, I can make more, I can make more, but just think like, well, you know, the main thing is, is that I'm building and I'm growing my asset column. That's the most important thing. Cause you're still going to have at a certain point, you're going to probably have more money than you, than you need. Yeah. And you make a great point there and the real estate can work in so many different ways. So as long as you talked about growing your asset column, as long as you're doing something over a long period of time, it's going to work out extremely well. What doesn't work is just not doing anything. Obviously, like you talked about, don't buy a bad deal. Don't just buy to buy. But at some point, just because you're buying, you're you're doing well. Yeah, and whenever you buy, I always think that one of the things that's worked for me really well is 
I'm a scaredy cat. I talk about it a lot in my book, The Millionaire's Mentality, all the time. I say, like, I'm totally like, you know, I was fearful. I had no money. I didn't have like, um, you know, any like family that I, that, you know, was going to like bail me out if I screwed up. Mm-hmm. It was on me. So I was more conservative. And the truth is, is that I hope that I can serve as an example to say, hey, you know, you can be more conservative and still do really well. I mean, today I'm not as conservative as I used to be. And I feel like just the opposite, like a lot of like the way that, you know, the financial world is set up. It's like, oh, you know, when you get older, you're supposed to like put all your money in the CDs and bonds and make sure that, you know, you don't lose any money. And I'm like, heck with that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm much more aggressive now than I ever was. Cause I know more mm-hmm. and I trust myself more. So, uh, I just think that, um, that, that you can really create, uh, create anything from, um, from real estate and your assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And you know, you talked about getting more aggressive as you get more knowledge. I think that one of the most important things you can do is invest in yourself and just gain more knowledge. I know you're in a mastermind, you have a mastermind, and you're always learning new things. Clearly, the the modular is pretty new. And you've just jumped in that both feet first and said, Hey, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm confident in myself. I'm confident in this other person that's running it. Let's get it done. And just always learning helps you get there. Yeah. And that's also, I think, what makes life exciting. I mean, none of us want a cookie cutter life, I think. I mean, maybe some, you know, I don't even know if people that have a cookie cutter life really want that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people want to explore and live big and see things, see the world and see how far they can stretch themselves. I mean, that's what I'm attracted to. That's what I think is really the juice of life. It's just fun. Like I don't want a predictable life. I don't want to feel like I wake up every morning and I know what I get and you know, and I don't want to take any chances because I don't want to lose what I have. I, you know, I'd rather go all in and, uh, and figure, figure it out from that point. And that's also where you're also going to see the greatest rewards. Cause if you're not willing to risk anything, you're just going to be listening to this and you're going to say, Oh yeah, but Austin's too expensive. There's nothing here. You know, I can't figure it out. And I mean, just before we got on this call, I was talking about a deal I just got and um, you know, and you were saying that there's other people that are starting to, to make moves. I mean, there's always deals. Like you also have to approach it with the right attitude. Yeah, no, nothing risk and nothing gained. And I think you, you talked about, just living life to the fullest, but you hear about all these people that that build extreme wealth. And then there's some people that lose it, but they end up right back there mm-hmm. so quickly because you can't take away that knowledge that they gained over time. And then there's all these people living just, I think you, you use the term, just a, a normal life or a mediocre life. And that's fine. But if you're learning and growing over time, no matter what happens, you're going to be in a better spot later on. What if you just didn't learn anything your whole life? You got out of college and you said, I've, I've learned enough. I've gotten out of college. And then you lose everything. Maybe you'll get back there. But if you were up here, you're going to get back to at least the baseline a lot quicker. Yeah. And we're all capable of so much more than what we do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I hope anyone listening realizes that they absolutely can invest. They can invest in Austin, even though Austin's been expensive. I mean, prices are coming down and it is, you do need to be be careful, but in any market, you need to be careful. You need to be careful when it was 3% interest rates. It wasn't Mm -hmm. free. 
You know, mm-hmm. you were paying a lot more for the property. You were in bidding wars. You know, a lot of people got into that situation where they wanted the property so bad for that 3%, they were willing to pay like 100000 over, like ridiculous amounts over. <laughs> and, you know, that's not smart either. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now that prices are coming down, you know, I have on this new property, I'm going to have a seven and a quarter rate. And it's not any more than, um, than some of the other properties I have. And it's, it's fine. I mean, 7% is fine. As long as you have a plan and a strategy and you know, you can rent it, you ha- you know, you can, you can make things work. Mm-hmm. So for people out there that are looking to purchase right now, cause obviously you're purchasing right now, I'm looking for a, a new home myself. What are your tips on how to avoid a bad deal currently? You know, rates have gotten high. It seems scary. What are you doing to mitigate your risk right now? Well, I run numbers a lot. So I will like look at my numbers over and over. And when I'm looking at the numbers, I also look at uh, the worst case scenario. So when I'm running numbers, I'm not like, I don't, if I think I can make, um, if I can cash flow a few thousand a month, I don't put in a few thousand. I do like maybe 15. If I think I can get three, I might do two. You know, I'll always go more conservative and look at how the numbers look. Because the truth is, is that you never know um, in a market, a lot of people that got into this market in the last 10 years, they don't understand, you know, that um, markets do go up and down. Real estate goes up and down. Like, even though people are like, it'll never go down. It'll never go down and also never go down. It will, it will. And it is, and it has. And so, you know, make sure if you make sure your numbers work, they're going to work. Like if you have a tenant and the tenant's going to pay the rent, it doesn't matter whether it goes up, down, doesn't sideways. It doesn't matter because the tenant's paying the bills and you know what your, you know what all your expenses are. The other thing you can do to safeguard if you're starting out is to make sure that you get the best lending terms you can. So, um, and what I mean by that is like, if you're very conservative to me, I think that the 30 year fixed is an exceptional way to go because for 30 years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, you're locked in. So yeah, if it goes down, you can refinance, but if it goes up, you're locked in. And in 30 years, you know, that's a long time to lock in a rate. Um, and you can also like, if you're doing storage or multifamily, you can also lock in for 10 years. A lot mm-hmm. of people are doing that right now. Um, and just planning to hold now with bigger properties, then you have to worry about uh, prepayment penalties gets a little more complex and it's a, it's a higher dollar game. So, you know, I would say if you don't know what you're doing, make sure that you have a mentor or that you have a partner that is a more seasoned than you so that you don't make big mistakes. Cause it can, it can be pretty costly. Yeah. Yeah. Those 30 are fixed or sweet because, you know, people don't, don't think about prepayment penalties with the residential loans because there aren't any. You got a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, your rate goes down 2%, you refinance, and you've got a much lower mortgage and you only had to pay the cost to refinance. But with a commercial loan, if you've got a 10-year fixed rate and rates go down a lot, then you can refinance, but that costs a fair amount to get that done because you have to pay the cost to do the refinance and the prepayment penalty, which is huge. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? 
Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Yeah, I mean, those are those are much more complicated numbers. Sometimes there were um, there have been um, people that have shared, oh, it's just as easy to buy a 30 unit as it is a single family. And I'm almost like, that is complete knowledge. Nonsense. Like it's a lot harder to buy a 30 unit than it is a single family. Yes. I mean, sure. You know, I mean, there are certain things that are the same, but mm. the numbers are different. You have many more people you're dealing with. There are a lot more variables. So I would say, you know, keep it simple. Um, you know, keep it simple when you start out. Don't, don't go crazy and don't try to, you know, strike it rich on your first deal. Just, just, you know, hit base hits, right? Mm -hmm. And that will be always singles and doubles. And then you'll go really far. Yeah. And you learn so much. So if you're hitting base hits and you're learning along the way, those you're going to get better each time and you're going to make more progress as you go. So I love that advice. So for newer investors, really your advice is to, to start small and learn or do you think, is, is it okay for somebody to buy that 30 unit on their first investment or should they do a single family? I think it's okay as long as they are, as long as they understand the variables and there's a lot of them. Like, so they have to understand that they're not getting a 30 year fixed and that mm -hmm. if they do decide to refinance at a certain point, there could be a hefty prepayment penalty and they need to understand what those numbers are. They need to understand if they're buying for a value add, like maybe it's a rundown place, they got a good deal on it. They have to understand, you know, that they're going to be dealing with contractors and, you know, and, and pricing. They have to make sure they have thorough inspections. I mean, it's not to say you can't, you know, 30 units. I mean, if we're talking about Austin, it's pretty expensive. So if you have that much money, then I would say at this point, um, I would just go passive. I wouldn't even bother. Like if you've got seven figures sitting in a bank account, I would hook up with some great seasoned, uh, investors and, and work that way, as opposed to trying to do that all myself. There's not, I mean, there are some tax benefits to, um, there's the real estate professional status if you do it yourself. But mm -hmm. other than that, it's just going to give you, you know, heartburn, really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of work, you know, mm -hmm. to try and manage all that. So, I mean, you know, it, it I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, um, I don't know that I would try that on my first go around, especially if we're talking Austin. I mean, if you decide you want to go to like Cincinnati, Ohio, or somewhere where it's not as expensive, but I mm -hmm. mean, a 30 unit here, you're talking a lot of millions to get mm -hmm. that done. So you got to really kind of know you're playing a big game. So you got to make sure that you understand what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's back just to get gaining knowledge, you know, is going to be the biggest and the best investment you can make. Mm -hmm. um, so Tamar, could you tell us a little bit about the mastermind you have going on and some of the, the ways you help educate people? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I have my book, The Millionaire's Mentality. That's the easiest, most inexpensive way to kind of learn different ways to invest in real estate. And you can just get that book. It's actually on Amazon now. You just mm-hmm. go to tamarbook.com and uh, and you can get it. And that's awesome. And please re- read a v- leave a review if you like it. I would appreciate mm-hmm. that. And then um, I also do coaching based on that methodology on teaching women um, on how to invest. A lot of it has to do with um, getting past the, um, the overwhelm and some of the fear in terms of moving forward and getting clear on it, what it is that where, what direction they want to go in. So, um, I think that it's, you know, they're big decisions. So I think that as you understand finances more, as you get clear, as you get all those things through, through the work with me, then it's just really easy to get into action and to feel really confident and, and, uh, feel supported. Um, so that works really well. And then my high level mastermind is for multi seven figure net worth women who, um, who are up leveling at, um, at a, uh, at in a way where they really want to be around like-minded women, even if some of us are business owners and investors. Um, and it's just a mix of really successful women. And we, uh, um, we uh, have meetings with investors, uh, with uh, well, actually uh, with uh, with experts, and um, and I do bring in some investments. Uh, we do do retreats. We do four retreats a year, which oh, are really cool. fun. So um, yeah, so it's a lot of um, connection and uh, and collaboration, and also outsourcing certain ideas that you need at that um, at that high level of net worth. It's the kind of things that you need to think and want to be thinking about. Oh, cool. So you've got a book, you've got a mastermind, you do some coaching. What's next for you? (laughs) Well, I think, I think, um, uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I'm looking at next year and thinking about what I'm going to be doing. I think the prefab projects are going to be, um, starting to steamroll. We're going to be doing more and more. So I may be pretty busy with that. So I may not take on that much more right now. Um, other than, you know, growing what I already have, which is also a great place to be. Yeah, no, I think it's good to stay focused and just keep moving forward. So what do you you have any long term goals or vision for these prefab houses? Well, uh, the concept was really uh, that property in in Austin we believe is going to ultimately be very valuable. Mm-hmm. And so even if proper prices are going down, the idea is that ultimately prices will go up. So that's why also, you know, I do, um, I do other, I buy other properties in Austin and, um, you know, single family homes that I Airbnb and I like, um, I like Austin for the reason that, over time, it's kind of works a lot like Los Angeles, which is that it's going to appreciate. And so the idea is to, to keep these properties as many as we can. And we may end up flipping like, you know, a couple, but I think that, um, the idea is to really build this portfolio in Austin. And I just love, um, 
you know, I love appreciation. Like we can't count on appreciation. We count on cash flow, but mm-hmm. we can make an assumption about appreciation and appreciation is where you really can grow a lot more wealth a lot faster. Cause you know, if I'm making, you know, 20,000 a month, that's great money. But if my property goes up a half a million dollars, boom, you know, I'm in business. So, um, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, I'm kind of like a, I'm kind of a, a person that likes to continue building an asset column. And I think it's, I think it's really valuable uh, for building wealth and it gives you a lot of flexibility and choices because um, you know, you have uh, you have these assets that are, that are growing for you all the mm-hmm. time. And I think, you know, you talk about appreciation. I think that that only works well when you have a long-term outlook, like you're talking about. And you you talked about running the numbers over and over, making sure that those assets can support themselves or your, your whole global sphere of assets can support another asset that while you wait on the appreciation. I think that's so important. Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, you need to, um, yeah, I mean, I think that you want to be patient and um, and not think that you're going to retire necessarily on just one asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you build and grow, you know, then it just keeps adding up. And I think that, um, that, that is, that is a great way to grow wealth. The other thing is, is that with appreciation is, you know, if you really want to count on appreciating assets, one of the places you need to look are in places that have high density population. And generally in those, in those areas, prices are higher. So it's harder to cash flow at those places. Um, which is why I Airbnb because I like the cash flow and the appreciation. So this is enabling me to do it. Although I have to say, it's funny. Um, I recently wrote an article for Bigger Pocket saying five reasons not to buy an Airbnb. And now there's been a lot of press coming out about how Airbnbs are oversaturated and a lot of people didn't buy right. Um, they're losing their shirt. And I just think that you know, you want to be, if an Airbnb, you want to run your numbers the same way with an Airbnb as you do a single family. Like don't think just because, you know, you have an average of a certain amount that it's going to keep going. You want to anticipate that it may go down and what are you going to do? Um, you know, I had one that, that I was making a ton of money. It wasn't in Austin, it's by San Antonio and it just stopped. So, you know, yeah, just like totally like, you know, it just completely went dead for like two months. So I had to, I could make a couple of choices. One was I could clean it out and um, rent it long-term. I could lower the price because it would cash flow that way. I could lower the price um, or um, I could get creative and think, how can I make a great place, even better. And that's kind of the strategy that I went with. I bought a hot tub. <laughs> so oh. I have a seven person hot tub. It did cost me like $8,000. But, um, but my sense about it is that if, even if places slow in the area, there's still people renting. So now I will definitely, I feel like maybe 2% of hot tubs in the area. So I feel like I'll beat out the competition, but oh, I will yeah. let you know, you may have to have me back on to share about that. I don't know. That's part yeah. of it. You know, I mean, I may end up renting it. You know, you have to take some some chances. There's not a guarantee sometimes. 
Well, at least you'll be renting it with a hot tub and you'll definitely get higher rent there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like for sure with a hot tub, you'll get higher rent because mm-hmm. that is, and it's, and I bought a brand new one and I didn't cheap out on it because that's the one thing. If you want to do a hot tub, you have to be careful not to get like a used one that has a lot of problems because you never want, that's like the worst call you want to get from tenants because it's not easy to fix. Mm-hmm. It's like if the hot tub goes out, they get really pissed and it's a pain in the ass to fix. So that's like yeah. two double whammies um, that you don't want. Yeah. No, you bring up a good point there too of, hey, people are saying some Airbnb bookings are going down. So what can you do to overcome that? And something you can absolutely do to overcome that is just make them really good. You know, so we were talking about that the other day. We run a short-term rental here in Austin and we're saying, wow, we need to make this thing awesome. So we stand out on the above the crowd. It's like a hotel, you know? Do you want to go to the W or do you want to go to the, the Holiday Inn? People see the W and say, wow, that place is amazing. I'm willing to go there and pay a little extra Versus going to the Holiday Inn and maybe having a crappy room or dirty towels or, you know, you you, you just got to make your Airbnb stand out and look amazing. I think that's great advice for anybody right now is double down on on your customer service and how your place looks and the, the photos and everything around that. Yeah, and it's not that hard. I mean, people get so cheap about photos. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're only like a couple hundred bucks to get a great yeah. photographer out. So I mean, definitely don't cheap out on the photos. Um, mm-hmm. Because that is like the easiest way to make it look good and the cheapest. So um, yeah, and I mean, I have, you know, I have a couple Airbnbs and like the only this is just the one that gave me problems. And so I kind of looked at it. And I mean, either way, you know, I can still, I will still, I can still cash flow that. And that's another thing like vacation rentals is where a lot of people, um, I think took on a little bit more risk because with a vacation rental, you can't necessarily cash flow it, it, you know, with a long-term tenant. So that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people other than your own tomorrow? Yeah. So my favorite one that I'm reading right now that I absolutely love is uh, Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. And it's not necessarily a business book, but it's just a book where you just go, I just feel like you're constantly like, oh my God, that's such a good point. And that's so smart. And this makes so much sense. And it just makes you um, it, it just, um, you know, if you have rules for life and you're effective at it, then you'll be effective at business too. You'll be mm-hmm. effective at real estate. You'll be effective at everything. So I like that book a lot. A great book. And I, I believe the audio book, he, he narrates it. So mm-hmm. I love yeah. the, the audio books where the author talks. He has a very unique voice. So it's unmistakable that it's him narrating. <laughs> um, Tamara, what's a great way for people to get a hold of you or to follow you and learn more about what you're doing? So they can go on Instagram at wealthbuildingconcierge.com. Oh, no. For Instagram, it's at wealthbuildingconcierge. And then my website is wealthbuildingconcierge.com. Oh, cool. Awesome. And we'll have that in the show notes for everybody, too. Tamar, the most important question we ask here, and the last question is, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Oh, yeah. The most important question. This is so so hard to answer because I love so many restaurants. You know, I love, I really love Odd Duck, but there's this one restaurant and I'm going to look it up because I absolutely love it. So bear with me for one second um, because I just forgot the name of it. It's not very expensive, 
Um, but it's really good. Um, it's really, really good. It's like barbecue Asian fused together. It's in East Austin and it's been written up quite a bit. Hang on. I'm going to look it up because I can never say the name. And when I tell you it, you're going to be like, Oh, now I understand. It's called like Kenji Satora or something. I can't remember. Um, let me, let me see if I can figure that out. Usually I have it in my book, but I'm not finding it. Um, let me see what it's called. Oh, I don't know. Um, well go to odd duck and then we'll put it in the show notes. I'll find it by then. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Odd duck is great too. It's so good. And I, um, I just can't remember the name of it. I always forget the name. I should have prepared that, but I just thought of it when you said that I was like, Oh yeah, I love that restaurant. Yeah. Odd duck is great too. So we'll, we'll put both in the show notes for everybody, but, um, Odd Duck is amazing. You won't regret that. Well, awesome, Tamar. Thank you so much for coming on. And everybody, if you're looking to follow Tamar on social media, it's on Instagram at Wealth Building Concierge. And then and I do LinkedIn too. LinkedIn, I'm on a lot. Yeah, LinkedIn and then wealthbuildingconcierge.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. We'll absolutely have you back on in the future to talk about the hot tub and we'll see how that went. <laughs> Awesome. I know, right? Like I'll tell you the restaurant and the hot tub. We have so much to look forward to. There you go. Perfect. Thank thank you. you. I'll talk to you here later. Okay. Bye. Bye.